Heavenly Father, we come before you and ask you to send your spirit mightily upon us and open our hearts to your word. Help us to hear the truth of your gospel to the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. And it is his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever felt totally dismissed? Maybe you were ignored, treated as an inconsequential member of the public by some big politician. Or worse, treated like a lowly servant, seen and never heard. I just had a conversation with my daughter just the other night. She has been involved in two professions. One, she was a brewer, and the other now, she is a caretaker of chimpanzees at the local zoo. She told me that men often come to her and talk down to her. She called it mansplaining. It was a term I had never used, heard before, but I truly hope that I have never done that. While I was in the Navy, I had an opportunity to serve with the Royal Navy. We did two and a half years in Britain. And they were very, very fond of what we called a dining in, where everyone dresses up in their finest uniform, go and have a formal dinner with stewards who rush in and move all the plates in an instant. There were hundreds of men for every table to bring the food out. And then they would disappear, go off to the sides, stand by the wall, be seen and not heard. One of these nights was the celebration of a Battle of Taranto, and it was a lively affair. Not only was there lots of drinking, there was also fireworks. One uh, firecracker landed on my plate and was about to explode because people were throwing them at each other. I picked it up and tossed it seemingly out of the way against the wall. I hit a steward. He was quite upset. I had dismissed him. I had neg neglected to even remember his existence. How easy it is to be dismissive. The people of Jesus' hometown were dismissive of him when he came to minister in their midst. In Luke's account of this same story, the event tells us that he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from prisoners and recovery of sight of the blind. He set to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He said to them then, today in your hearing, the scripture is fulfilled. Our gospel tells us that many who heard him teaching said, where did this man get these things? What wisdom was given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? And is not this just the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not this his sisters here with us? They took offense at him. They dismissed him as a mere tradesman, 
a carpenter. The word here used in the scriptures for carpenter in the Greek is tekton. It is a word that is related to the English word technician. It's a ver- in its verb form, it means to bear, to give birth to, to bring forth. A tecton makes things. He creates. And here, Jesus, the tecton, for he created all things, was in their midst. The Gospel of John tells us, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The creator of the world had come to Nazareth. The creator of the earth, the sun, the moon, the very light of mankind, the hope of all creation, dismissed as a tinker, a tradesman, to be seen and not heard. It could be an easy thing to judge the townspeople of Nazareth, how they would have been so blind as to fail to recognize the Messiah in their midst. Yet, would we not have reacted in the same way if we encountered our Lord and Savior in the manner in which they had? What if he was someone we saw grow up, who we knew as the local boy, the tradesman's son, the insignificant boy down the street? Would we not have reacted in the same way that they did? I'm always impressed with God's grace, especially when I am weak. It is only by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that we are brought to faith in Christ. And it is to God alone that we should direct our thanks and praise for our own faith and salvation. The incident at Nazareth reveals to us the extraordinary ordinariness of Christ. He lived a life so lowly, so unassuming, so unremarkable, it was hard for many who knew him to believe he was the omnipotent creator God, the great tecton of all creation and of the cosmos. But of course, it was through his very weakness and humility that God has often revealed himself to us and his people. We see this clearly in Judges 6, when God called Gideon, who protested, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And yet then God saved all of Israel through Gideon and only 300 men. David also was from the smallest clan in an insignificant family, and he was the least of all his brothers. And in that time when God revealed himself to Elijah, he did so neither in a strong wind that tore the mountains and broke to pieces the rocks, nor in a raging and consuming fire, nor in a deafening earthquake, but rather in the sound of a low, quiet whisper. So Christ was not the first time that God chose to reveal himself through weakness and humility. And he proclaimed this fact about the Messiah clearly through his prophets. 
Micah 5.2 tells us, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. And Isaiah 53.2 says, For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty, that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should even desire him. So we should not be too judgmental on these men and women in Nazareth. This Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God something to be held on to, but emptied himself. Taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God chose weakness. God chose humility. God chose the path of the suffering servant to save his people. And he continues to choose the humble and the meek to do his work to affect his kingdom. For we, too, are called to proclaim his gospel to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And yet, just as Christ found no honor in his hometown, we too often find ourselves dismissed by the world as foolish and weak. 1 Corinthians 1 tells us, For consider your calling. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing those that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Are you fearful about proclaiming the gospel? Do you fear rejection? Do you fear being seen as being foolish? Maybe even fear of being dismissed. Now, I am a church planner in Cowspell, Montana, and it is a culture that is very unique. I had no idea what it was like when I got there. There are a lot of churches but not a lot of people who go there. A very independently-minded group of people who do not make new friends. You could be there for 30 years and you're still an outsider. It's a difficult place to learn to plant. And yet, I don't feel so challenged in that. I don't feel so challenged or so fearful about proclaiming the gospel to people that I do not know. Rather, my greatest fear 
is proclaiming the gospel to the people who know me most, my very parents. My father is not a Christian, and sometimes I feel a great longing to speak to him about Christ, but I'm overwhelmed with fear. I'm overwhelmed with being dismissed, the fear of being rejected once again by my father, once again put aside. This is the most difficult thing I have to overcome. I fear of speaking to my father, for a prophet has no honor in his own hometown and with his own family. I also fear rejection. But God in, has encouraged us. He tells us to not be afraid. Ezekiel 2 says, And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of the words. Though briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel calls us and encourages us to no longer be afraid, but rather speak boldly and do not be afraid, for God is with you. We may fe fear being dismissed, and we may fear rejection, but God calls us to remain faithful and trust him. We may fear looking at our own inadequacies to get the job done that God has called us to. We may look at our own weaknesses as an excuse to remain silent, to remain passive, to say nothing. But God calls us instead to remain faithful, to give the words of hope that his son had read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. This is our calling as a church to proclaim the gospel to those who have not heard it. And in the midst of that, we may cry. We may even lament like our psalmist told us today. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy, for we have had more than enough contempt. Our soul has had more than enough in the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. But yet we're still called to come forward and proclaim the gospel to those who have not yet heard it. To find those who need reconciliation and bring that to them. We must remain faithful to the Lord. Last week, Last week, you heard a wonderful sermon about being in the boat. And Steve told us that you are not alone. You are not alone in the boat, for Christ is with you. And Christ is always with us. And in truth is, he already has taken the scorn for us. He has taken the scorn for us on his body and his death and his burial, and ultimately now in his resurrection, he has been given, as the Philippians passage told us, 
as his name is above every name, that every name, at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we participate not only in that scorn, but in the proclamation of the truth of that gospel message. And that is our gift, not only to the world, but to one another. And this is what Paul, from our epistle lesson, has finally wrapped up this message. The Lord has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, with insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly, knowing that we are weak. We are inadequate. We are unable to speak often when we ought to overwhelmed often with the feelings of rejection, the calamities that come from the world. And Lord, we pray that you would send your spirit mightily upon us and encourage us to strengthen us, help us to remember that we are not alone, that Christ is always with us, and that he has already taken all the pain for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.